Um, okay, so be kind of repetitive, so please bear with me and forgive me. Um, but we saw in those two verses in Ezekiel and Revelation, there's four things listed. You got the lion, the ox, man, and eagle. Except Revelation says calf, but calf and ox, you know, same uh, type of animal. And I believe that God uses numerical patterns in his word. Not talking numerology, not talking any of that New Age nonsense. What I'm talking about is that God does use numbers uh, in his word to mean something. And typically something I learned is anytime that you see things of four, um, three of them are going to be very similar. One's going to be a little bit different, uh, such as the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic Gospels. And they're called that because when you read each of them, they're written very similar. They're not, it's not the same, but they're very similar in how they're written. John, however, is written just a little bit different. So anytime, so that's what I've kind of come to realize when reading the Word of God, is anytime you see things of four, three, thing, you know, three of them are going to be very similar, one's going to be different. In this case, you have lion, ox, and eagle. They're, those three are animals, right? Then you've got the face of a man, which is man. So three are beasts and one's man. Um, and so with how this could portray who Christ is and also shows the Gospels, um, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. You know, really, it's really interesting when you take a look, you know, at these angels, at these cherubs, they were created to worship God. To give God praise. They were created for that purpose. However, there were some because of pride that fell. And those angels became devils. And God was not intending for that. God intended for those angels to worship him. And even more so, I think it's interesting that when you have, you know, these cherubs that really are were created to show and exemplify who Christ is, how much more are we created to give praise to God? And God says that let us create man in our own image. Amen. And so I've always preached that how we live matters. You know, this life's not about us. It's about living for Christ Doing his will, praising him and worshiping him. That's why we were created. It's not about us, it's about him. And our lives ought to reflect that, which is why it's important on how it is important that we live separated lives. It is important to live a life separated apart from sin unto God, because by this, that gives God glory. 
uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to give... Uh, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they, they are and were created. So all the angels and all the cherubims and even all of us and everything on earth were created for His pleasure. I think that's... a pretty marvelous thing amen um but something that we may not always comprehend or take the time to think about um now as how it relates to picturing the gospel um we have matthew which portrays christ as lion-like it shows his kingship you know, when you think of a lion, what do you think of? You think of the king of the jungle, right? This big old lion, you know, he, he he's the king. Well, Matthew portrays Christ as lion-like. He is, it, he's portraying his kingship. Um, the verse that would best encapsulate, encapsulate, I can't pronounce, I can't talk today. <laughs> but the, the, the verse that they would kind of model the whole book is, Behold thy king. Which comes from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt the full of an ass. You know, what bothers me is you get all these, these heretical preachers that will make these really outrageous claims that Jesus wants you to be rich and that if he was here, he would be riding a jet plane. But the truth of the matter is Jesus was poor. He was here and he didn't ride anything. No, except for a donkey, yes. which is probably a very humble animal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know... Jesus was Jesus didn't just come here to get rich and and tell his disciples to get rich. No, no, no. As a matter of fact, it's it's the opposite. Because Christ willingly left glory, left all that behind, came as a man and a servant to 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 do the Father's will. To show us how to live each day. He was the ultimate example. He was the ultimate servant that we ought to follow after and you realize that christ was humble he wasn't pride he wasn't full of pride he wasn't you know arrogant but he humbled himself and he was faithful even on the death and that's something that all of us ought to to that's how we ought to live and that's hard but that's why we have the holy ghost by the power of the Holy Ghost that he enables us and empowers us to live a Christ-like life. We can't do it on our own because of our flesh. But that's why God gives us grace. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so in Matthew 2, 2, it says, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? To even the wise men, this is this is the wise men, you know, they came into you know into Jerusalem and they're they're inquiring where Jesus was to be born. 
But you notice they didn't just say Jesus. They said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? So these wise men knew that he was a king. So we already start to see in how Matthew sort of, you know, portrays, you know, Christ as, you know, lion like he's he's king. Um, he's not just the king of the Jews, but he's the king of this whole universe. Absolutely, yeah. They 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 weren't dumb. They weren't stupid. They they knew they knew scripture. They knew who was to come. That's why they that's why they specifically said what they said because they knew he he was going to be king. Um, for we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. In uh, Matthew 21, 4 through 5, it says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the fowl of an ass. So again, that, that is a reference to Zechariah 9.9. 9. Um, John twelve fifteen. Fear not, daughter of Sion. Behold, thy king cometh sitting on and asses colt. So it's reiterated in John. Doesn't make it wrong. It's just it was just a, it's a brief uh, abbreviation. <clears throat> now on to Mark. And we know that uh, normally it, when pastor is here, he he's going through the book of Mark. And something I want you all to keep in mind is the stuff that he's covered so far in Mark really shows how Christ is that ultimate servant. Now, why do I say that? Because, you know, we saw the, the feeding of, of the, you know, 5,000 men. That's just only the men, but, you know, 5,000 plus people. We've seen him heal and and, and, and deliver people from, from devil possession. You know, we see these things that, that shows him to being a servant. And not just a servant, but he is that ultimate example of a servant that we ought to live. Why? Because we ought to serve God first, but we ought to serve others. There's no greater love for a man to lay his life down for his friends. And so Christ is that ultimate servant, which is portrayed as an ox. You know, you yoke ox together, what do they do? They plow. You know, you tell them where to go and they go. It does. Well, how do you correlate that with Christ? Well, God told Christ what to do. He showed him what where he needed to go, where he needed to go, and he went. He did Christ did everything that the Father showed him. Why? Because everything that Christ did was God's will. Amen. And so we see that uh Mark has a portrayal of Christ as like an ox. Um, again, which shows, you know, uh, being the ultimate servant. And then the, I guess the, uh, the, the, the key phrases there would be, behold my servant. And um, Isaiah 42.1, it says, behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth. 
I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Now we know that's Christ. Because he'll be the one to bring judgment to us Gentiles. Um, Romans chapter 15 verse 3. It says, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it was written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. I don't know about you, but if that is not the greatest definition of a servant, I don't know what is. You know, if Christ didn't come here to please himself, how much more should we be here to not please ourselves, but to put others before ourselves, to put God first, to serve others? Christ did. In all in all things, Christ put the Father first and sir and and did what and did what He wanted. How much more should we be like that? Our lives should reflect that. But do we always know? Because we've got a sin nature. Our see, we have a flesh that just wants to do whatever it wants. But being born again, your spirit, your new man doesn't want to do the things of the flesh and wants to do the things of God. You know, Jesus said the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And another uh, verse here, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, when we bear one another's burdens, that's that's fulfilling the law of Christ. Why? Because Christ, he he bore one another's burdens, and we we see a picture of that when when Christ is carrying his cross. They sent Simon the Serene to go help him carry his cross with him. That right there, I think, is a very beautiful picture of. Bearing one another's burdens. Sometimes our crosses can get too heavy. Sometimes we just we kind of go through days and it's like, Lord, I, I don't know how I can do this. But that's why Jesus promised. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I think that's why we also are supposed to confess our sins one to another, you know, other church members, so we can lift each other up. Yep. And pray for one another. Exactly. Now, with that, we don't have to tell every, we don't have to tell everything, but you know we, we but, but you know we ought to we ought to do that. You know, if we're struggling with something, you know, if you're comfortable, we should go up to one another and say, "Hey, I'm I'm I'm, I'm struggling in this area. Can you pray for me?" It says that when you confess your faults, that you're healed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people struggle with things, and I mean, we forget that verse. But, but choose carefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, I think that's something that we all need to keep in mind. You know, um, we ought to, and especially nowadays with the days getting darker, with this world getting even more wicked mm-hmm. and more vexing, we ought to be there for each other. We ought to pray for one another. And so, by doing this, we fulfill that law of Christ. So that is what Mark. Portrays. Now, we got to the Gospel of Luke. That portrays Christ as the perfect man, which shows that 
he is the God-man. Why? Because Jesus Christ is God, and he's all man. He is God in the flesh. Emmanuel means God with us. Christ is the word of God. He is God. We can't comprehend that. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three, And these three are one. I, 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 I don't fully understand that. Do I believe it? You bet I do. Because God said to believe it. <laughs> and so Luke portrays Christ as that perfect man, which shows the God-man. And the key words there is behold the man. And Zechariah chapter 6, verse 12, it says, And speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man, check this out, whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Behold the man whose name is the branch. You know that it's not just the... My watch went crazy. <laughs> um, but the B in branch isn't the only letter that's capitalized. That whole word branch is in capitalization. So what does that mean? It means Jesus. It's talking about Christ. Christ is that man who is that branch. Um. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 through 6, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. That that B and branch is capitalized. That's talking about Christ. But it doesn't just stop there at righteous branch. It says, And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Where is that at? Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 through 6. You know, I just want to take a moment and look at that phrase. The Lord, our righteousness. God says, what does he say about our righteousness? He says, your righteousness are as filthy rags, which means you have no righteousness. Christ does, right? And so in our minds, you know, well, and Jesus said, well, you can't, I mean, if if your righteousness does not exceed of that of the Pharisees, you, you can by no means enter in, you know, the kingdom of heaven. So in our minds, okay, if our righteousness are supposed to exceed that of the Pharisees, but yet we have no righteousness, how can that be? Well, the answer to that is Christ. Because Christ is our righteousness. Why? Because he did exactly what the Father told him. He laid his life down. And paid that price in which we couldn't pay. So when when we get born again, and when we get saved, 
Okay, so let's put it this way. So at the cross when Christ died, our sins went on Christ. But that's not the only thing that happened. What also happened was his righteousness came on us. It wasn't anything that we deserved. It wasn't anything because of what we did. But because because of Christ, when he was willingly to dying on that cross, our sins went on Christ on the cross, so it would be judged. But his righteousness came on us. So when we get born again and when we get saved, we are not clothed with our own righteousness. We are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So when God looks at you, he's not looking at your righteousness. He's looking at the righteousness of Christ. Why? It's because Christ took your sin and return by grace. He gave us his righteousness. So you see, it's a gift. To receive that is a gift. It's not because we deserved it, because we certainly don't. But it's we have the righteousness of Christ because of what Christ did. Yes, because he loved us. And so that's important. And and that and that's actually a humbling thought. Because why are we to brag about the things that we did? Because any good that I do or any good that y'all do is not y'all or me. It comes from the Lord. It comes from Christ. Any good that any of us do is because it's Christ working that through us. So we ought not to take credit for that. We are not to we shouldn't brag or boast about that. And it's 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 the same it's like going back to pleasing ourselves. Who are who are we living our life for? Are we here wanting to take the glory and please our own selves for the good that we do? Or are we gonna live for Christ and let Christ get the glory? That's how it should be. We ought to give Christ because God deserves every bit of glory. We do not. We're just simply vessels that he uses. He's given us gifts by his grace to serve him, not to serve ourselves. And that's why the world's been teaching everybody to do what you want, what feels good to you. Because if you put selfishness there, you're not going to help anybody. Yep, exactly. It's your truth. It's not the right. truth. Right. Your opinion, basically. Right. And then, what was the other thing they said? Your truth. I'll think of it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> it just left me. But yeah. It, oh, you are um, transparent. That just means I'm not changing. This is who I am. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to filter that what I say. A lot. Mm-hmm. Especially from the young people. They've redefined those words. Yeah. Yep, and and also too, uh, in Satanism they have a law, which basically states, "Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law." That's that's mm-hmm. in Satanism in its um, apex. Mm-hmm. They just do whatever they want. See, Satan doesn't care if you believe in him or not. Right. Only thing he cares about is dragging people with him, because he don't want he don't want to be lonely. Unfortunately. The way this world is going, Satan's going to drag a whole lot of people with him. Well, that's why we need to pray, pray, pray. Yeah. This is why we need to pray. This is why we need to serve God. 
Why? See, right there is that is the reason why we ought to live our lives for Christ. To be a light in the dark. <laughs> yes. Because there's a lot of people on their way to hell. They need to be warned. They need to be able to be given a way out of that, which is Christ and Christ alone. See, and and it, it's everything that's going on in our world is the reason why we ought to live a separated life, a right, a a a life of righteousness by Christ's righteousness, not our own. But we have to live a certain way, separated from this world. Amen. That's important. Um, Jeremiah 33, 15 through 16, it says, In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up onto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely, and this is the name wherewith she shall be called the Lord our righteous. Now the Gospel of John. We see uh, John portrays Christ as the eagle, which shows Christ as the mighty God. Um, the, the, the caption for that would be, Behold your God. It comes from Isaiah Chapter 40, verse 9. It says, O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountains, O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Christ is the mighty God. It's kind of crackling there. Yeah. Now stopped. It's, it's not oh, okay. I thought maybe it was. <laughs> um, so Christ is the mighty God. I thought I had some more verses. Um, I think... Sometimes, like Pastor, I think sometimes my notes get really wonky. But I, I just got to see something here real quick because – nope, okay. I thought my notes were kind of out of whack. Okay, so the gospel – now going back uh, – does anybody have anything they'd like to add or say or anything that comes to mind? Pray to be holy because he is holy because we're not holy, but we just have to pray and ask the Lord to help us to be holy. Amen. That's important. Um, we ought to pray for holiness. We ought to pray for God's direction, God's grace, and his mercy. That's good. That's good. All right, uh, going back to the Gospel of Matthew. Um, so the style is, the style of that is, you know, teacher. Uh, emphasis is on the sermons. The readers are the the, the Jews. 
um, the genealogy that's recorded, you know, is Matthew 1, 1 through uh, verse 17. Reason, a king must have one. Um, why is that? Because if you can't be king if your father isn't a king. In other words, when you take a look at the, the lines of the kings, you have the father, and typically that usually gets passed down to the son. So it's very important that a king must have a genealogy of some sort. Because without it, how can they be king? Which Jesus does have that line. Um, the, 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 the genealogy that you see in Matthew is the legal line that's through David. Is, is the line of David through Solomon, which is Joseph's line. Okay, so that's Joseph's line. The line that you see in, in uh, the Gospel of Luke, that's Mary's line. But and, you, and the reason why that is, is to show you that Christ does have a line to, to the throne um, on, both sides of the, both, on both sides of the family. And if you look in if you look in Matthew, you'll see you'll see the, the the term son of David. Now we know that Jesus Christ is the son of God, but now why would it say the son of David? Well, the son of David is actually a a correlation to the, it's the relationship in correlation that Christ has with the throne. That's why sometimes he's called the son of David. Um, Revelation 5, 5, and one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Uh, Revelation 17, 14, He shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Uh, Revelation 19:16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. First uh, Timothy 6:15, which in his times he shall shew who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, gonna actually kind of skip some stuff here, um, just for time's sake. The Gospel of Mac, the, nah, Mac, the Gospel of Mark uh, style is preacher emphasized the miracles. Readers are the Romans. There is no genealogy recorded in Mark. Um, Matthew twelve seventeen to eighteen that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall shew judgment to the Gentiles. Let's see here. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 34 to 35. But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto him, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all. And servant of all. See, that shows you how 
Christ is that ultimate servant. Because he didn't put himself first. He put others ahead of him, of his of his own self. Amen. Um, okay. <clears throat> the Gospel of Luke. Um, I have a lot more verses, but I'm kind of hitting some main points just for time's sake. Uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, style historian, emphasis on the parables, readers on the Greeks, uh, the genealogy recorded. There is a genealogy, of course. Uh, Luke th- uh, 3, chapter 3, verses 28 to 38. Um, and that is the bloodline of David through Nathan, which is Mary's line. So Mary and Joseph both have a line through David. One through Nathan and one through Solomon. First uh, Timothy 3.16, my favorite verse. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. John 1.14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then... Um, Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes. We are healed. Last one. Gospel of John. Uh, Styles, theologian, emphasis, the doctrines, the readers, the world, and there is no genealogy in the book of John. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born, and unto, unto us a son is given. And the government should be upon his shoulders, and his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there should be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. John 1, 1 through 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. One more verse and we'll be done. Second John chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. For many deceivers are entered into the world. Who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So I put that on there because John is saying that if... If anyone who denies that Christ came in the flesh is, an, is that of Antichrist. 
And to deny that he came in the flesh is to deny his godhood. Because Christ is God in the flesh. He is the mighty God. You cannot have the Father separate from the Son because they're both one. Amen? So, well, just to really quickly wrap up is, you know, we see how the cherubs that we saw at the beginning, the four faces, and we see the, the four beasts, how they can represent, how they represent portrayal of Christ, but they also represent the four Gospels. Amen? So, that's all I got. Brother Billy James, if you want to ring the bell. That was good. We've been studying that.